Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. We are doing this episode as a preview of Finnovate West, which is going to be a digital version out of San Francisco in theory. And uh, Jeremy Balkin will be speaking there. He's the head of innovation at HSBC Bank USA. And we're going to talk about what HSBC has been up to in terms of innovation, partnerships with uh, startups, uh, digital transformation, and much more. So welcome, Jeremy. How are you today? Good morning, Rudy, and hi, everyone. I'm doing really well, and I'm really excited for the virtual Finnovate West coming up soon and uh, meeting so many great folks and friends and peers, albeit virtually this year, but hopefully next year we'll be back together in person. Right. So thank you very much for doing this. Uh, I'm also an HSBC alumni, so obviously HSBC doesn't need an introduction. It's one of the largest banks in the world, if not the largest, depending on the day, right, and how you count it. But uh, can you briefly describe the HSBC's approach to innovation from partnerships to investing so that we we give people a little bit of a uh, frame of reference? Sure. So I I joined HSBC in 2015, and when I was brought in. Uh, it was a blank sheet of paper and it was really uh, a fantastic opportunity to start this innovation function from 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 scratch to to what it is today as a fully functioning contributor. Uh, so the first thing uh, we I did um, is create a definition for innovation because you can't manage what you can't measure. So we define innovation as doing something differently that creates value. And that's a very critical explanation. That is to challenge uh, a paradigm, a business model, a stereotype, of prevailing thinking, but it has to add some sort of shareholder value, customer value, revenue, expense line, dividend, etc. There has to be value attributed to the idea or to the proposition because candidly, as you know, in, in the corporate world, you know, ideas are free, talk is cheap, execution is really, really difficult. And so you have to merge the two and hence the, the definition that we created. Also, you'll note the definition is not just, you know, it's not specific to technology. It's anyone in the organization can therefore be quote, doing something differently that creates value uh, and therefore be p- embed innovation in the DNA of the, of the organization from top to bottom. You know, so we've done, I think, over a dozen uh, major partnerships with technology companies, fintechs like uh, names that the Finnovate crew might be aware of, like Amount, Avant, you know, Roostify, uh, Marstone, some names that everyone's familiar with, like Google and Samsung and SoftBank and everyone in between. You know, candidly, because we want to build a new bank. We want to serve our customers when, where, and how they want, uh, faster, better, and cheaper, and deliver a service that we can be proud of, but more importantly, repositions and positions our organization for the 21st century and to be ahead of our competitors in terms of agility and customer experience. And that's what innovation 
if it's done correctly, is all about and can be very effective for motivating your 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 staff, for motivating your customers and your people to to work even harder to deliver a better experience for everybody. Right. Then you mentioned the execution. So obviously, whether you partner with someone or you buy them or invest in them, that's just means to an end. So how does that work? How do you think about that? Are you agnostic or is there any preference for any mode of uh, a partnership? So I, I guess the traditional way of thinking is, you know, uh, most large companies and, and I guess the prevailing corporate America wisdom is 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 if you have to, if you're thinking outside of your t- traditional mandate, you think, well, I have to build it myself. And if I can't build it myself, then I have to buy it. And of course, the last avenue is partnerships. And when I joined HSBC, you know, I really championed the opposite, which is to partner first. And we led the first fintech, major fintech partnership, I think, in the bank's history, I was told, um, with building a new lending platform uh, in partnership with uh, the team at Amount. Uh, and that heralded you know, numerous other partnerships, both in my team and my region, but also in other parts of the world, um, albeit that I think we're really proud to have led that as an industry, but also within the bank. You know, I think the reason partnership is, is in, my, in my mind, uh, often the preferred approach, not always, but often. Is because you know, candidly, some of the best, uh, most customer-friendly user interfaces already exist in the marketplace. There's so much talent that's gone into technology and fintech in particular, and it's very difficult for large organizations to compete with that, especially because the the mandate for large organizations, particularly on a you know technology front, is to make sure that the IT systems are working, uh, to make sure the email systems are working, security, cyber. Um, if you think about most IT, it's almost like a, a, a defensive capability, whereas the fintechs are on offense. And so I think it's very difficult. It's unrealistic in many ways to expect the internal IT organization to play defense with fewer resources and then go on offense. And so hence, partnership is is more advantageous. It's quicker speed to market. The lead times are shorter. Uh, you have more autonomy in terms of customizing the platform, white labeling it if needs be, you know, merging someone else's brilliant front end with our back end uh, and user experience. Uh, you know, I could talk about this for, for, for much longer than we have in the podcast, but I think partnership, you know, I'm, I'm an evangelist for partnership between big bank and fintech. Uh, I think we've been hearing for too long about, you know, these fintechs are going to take over the banking world. And then it's, it's not about that. It's about partnering together. We all share the same customer. It's time to work. We continue to work together. We've proven at HSBC that we can do that. Uh, we're really proud of our work. And I hope that we'll be seeing more of that, uh, particularly in the post-pandemic world, because if, 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 that's, if one thing that has proven is that we are all in this together and we need everybody to be working together, whether it's in the private or public sector, to, to make this world, uh, get this economy back on track, get economic growth where it needs to be and economic development and financial services clearly has a very important role to play. It's essential as we've seen. So all the more reason to be partnering with the best minds, the best companies, both large and small, to deliver a better outcome for customers. That's what we need to do. We're really proud of it. And we hope others will follow. Right. So great to hear. Uh, Very inspirational. This is exactly what I'd like to hear from incumbents. Um, But just to follow up a little bit more on on your team's mandate and what products are you focusing on when you're trying to find innovative solutions to serve your customers? With regards to our mandate, you know, our mandate is to reduce the cost to serve, to improve the customer experience, to grow digital scale, to help our exponential non-growth, a non-physical you know, distribution strategy to excel, to serve more customers at a lower cost. Uh, and we do that through partnerships. 
uh, or have done that through partnerships in addition to some of the proofs of concept uh, and pilots that we've launched uh, and helped to rebuild our franchise here and in other markets through the work we've done. So it's a broad mandate. We've had a lot of success. And now our, candidly, my personal mandate and my team's mandate has grown significantly this year in particular, given what's been happening and the pressure on doing more with less at scale in this resource-constrained pandemic world. And the realization that digital and innovation and renewal is not a nice to have, it's an essential part of any business. If you're in a if you think about what lockdown means in in every major industrialized economy, it means you can't be with your customers. So you have to be have a remote strategy. You have to have a digital distribution strategy. That doesn't come from, you know, an aha moment. That comes from a robust planning of thinking ahead and thinking what does the next horizon look like? How does my innovation strategy help me build that? So when the when the inevitable happens, uh, we're prepared. And that's what we have been. And if anything, it's accelerated this this is accelerated digitization tr- trends and digital adoption. And we were very well prepared for that. And we were very easily able to pivot from sixty percent of all sales digital, you know, last year to north of ninety percent this year because of what's happened. So, you know, again, that just proves why the work we did five years ago and subsequent has put us in a position to excel during this pandemic for our people and our customers. Many commentators agree that the pandemic has accelerated digitalization trends. So what is your view on this and how did that impact your business? Yeah, we've seen a lot of evidence in our industry, some of our competitors and other industries about digitization trends that have accelerated. You know, maybe I'll give you an example that I think everyone will will, will appreciate. Before the pandemic, so say February 2020, e-commerce, which includes Amazon, but e-commerce as a percentage of all commerce in America was only 16%, which I'm sure Mm -hmm. many people were surprised to hear that. By June of 2020, so three months later, e-commerce as a percentage of all commerce had grown from 16% of all commerce to 33% of all commerce. So just think that through. We've probably had 20, maybe 25 years of e-commerce in the history of the world. We've only had about 20 to 25 years of e-commerce. The, hundred, the, the entire lifespan of e-commerce up until February 2020 this year was 16% of all commerce. Three, month, with three months later, it had more than 100% increase to 33%. And I'm sure I haven't seen the latest data, and I'm sure that number is much higher than 33%. So if that doesn't scare you, humble you, excite you, then you're in the wrong industry because that's a reality. And that's, that's we're talking about e-commerce. What about every other essential service that's related to that? Tangential industries, other, other disruptions, including for f- financial services. We've seen digital adoption accelerate five, six, seven, in some spheres, 10 years uh, from what, our, what some of our competitors have been saying about customer behaviors and driving adoption to digital ch- channels, mobile plat- platforms, etc. I don't think Whatever happens at the end of this pandemic, I don't think we're going back to the way things were. I think the new baseline for digital adoption curves will be what they are. And I, I think nobody should be surprised by that. And the longer this continues, customer behaviors will will continue to adapt to digital channels, to mobile channels, to voice channels. And they're unlikely to go back to where they were. If, if, you, if you're a customer that's historically used a, visited a bank branch to be served, for example, and then in month one of the pandemic, you, you know, you, because of all the you know fear and anxiety and all the rest of it, you decide to use the use your you know log on on your 
personal internet banking online. For the first time, maybe the second month, you use your phone. Maybe the third month, you use your phone. The fourth month, your phone. The fifth month, your phone. The sixth month, your phone. Humans adapt. So the more you use these digital channels and mobile channels, you're not likely to go back to, to anything else because that's going to become your new baseline. Right. So every industry needs to be, be recognizing this. And if they're not, they probably won't survive. Right. And so many things have been changing so quickly this year. So it may be a bit tough to talk about what are you thinking about to discuss at Finnovate uh, in a few weeks? Um, what, is, what is your keynote going to be about? It's essentially about what what a customers want, I believe, is the title, <laughs> uh, which sort of dovetails nicely with the question you just asked me around digitization trends and new customer behaviors uh, in this post-pandemic world. Well, I hope it'll be a post-pandemic world soon. And what does that mean for you know unlocking uh, intelligent customer insights, using better using data to deliver the customer experience that that has been a new customer experience expectation that has been set for all consumers, no less in financial services. Uh, and I'm really excited to do that um, with a different you know, audience uh, this year in a different um, distribution mechanism to being in person, which of course, everyone loves to be doing these in person because you learn more, you meet more people, uh, but we'll have to suffice for, for, the, uh, for the Zoom. But I'm sure that the topic will resonate with many because of course, Everybody is in the same boat and is, is thinking through what does it mean for me as a new consumer in this new world, as a new, as a new employee, team member, what's it going to mean for my customers, my industry, how am I going to grow, stay relevant. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun as much as a good learning experience for me and hopefully for some other folks too. Great. Well, thank you very much, uh, Jeremy. And uh, maybe my last question is, you know, you're head of innovation at HSBC in the US. Uh, what are the... Uh, parties that you would like to hear from most and what's the most efficient way for them to reach out? Yeah, thank you. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I think the, probably the easiest way for folks to reach out is through LinkedIn. Uh, I think there's only one of me. Uh, if there's two, then I feel sorry for the other the other one <laughs> um, to, to have to share my, my face and name, but I think there's only one of me. Uh, reach out to me there, connect, let's have a conversation. It's prob- probably the easiest and most distributed um, at scale way for anyone in the world to do that. You know, I'm certainly interested in you know what the f- future of payments are going to look like. There's a lot of consolidation. And that's something that just personally excites me and interests me a lot. So maybe we can talk about that offline as well. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.